0: Two, two Swing a long drive. Deep left. what's up everybody welcome to another baseball america prospects podcast this one is very exciting uh, we just released the top 100 prospects list the first of 2019 with many to come throughout the year but it's been a fun day on the site uh, a lot of stories going up with that list uh, and here with me today is josh norris howdy And J.J. Cooper. Hello. We're going to dive into the list a little bit, talk a little bit about how it was put together, some of the surprises, some of the obvious guys. Uh, I know number one, I don't think anybody was too surprised
1: with who we have there. Shocked, I said. (laughs) I think Vladdy Jr. was the first unanimous of my era at BA. Yeah,
0: so I mean that's kind of the first thing that I had down here that I wanted to ask you guys about. Uh, just for everyone, so everyone's aware. I sat in on the meeting. I don't have a say on the votes. I don't follow the minor league guys throughout the year like you guys do, Uh, but it's a fascinating process, and it was fun to kind of see how you guys talk through the players and line them all up. So let's just jump into Vladdy. Number one, the consensus top prospect, as you mentioned, Josh, and let's start with you. You've been here less than JJ, and JJ can kind of speak to this to uh, a more lengthy extent, but... Was it any surprise to you that Vladdy was the consensus number one guy? Were you expecting that? And, and again, who was the closest guy, I guess, in your tenure here at BA?
1: Let me say, I, I think Bryant might have been. I don't remember if Chris Bryant was before me or after me, mm-hmm. but I will say that if Vladdy had not been number one, if there had been someone in that room who had come in with another choice of Vladdy uh, than Vladdy, he would have been shouted down so roundly that it would have rung from the blue mountains <laughs> of this state. Yeah. There was, there's no. There's no, no one else was even in close to a consideration, I don't think, than Vladi. Maybe JJ JJ is less strong than that, but.
2: I would have loved to, I would have had a lot of fun if someone had come in with a well-reasoned, thought-out argument for why someone else other, because, okay, let's take the top three. Wander Franco has not made it to full season ball. So let's take him, no, I'm saying take him out of the discussion. yeah, yeah. I don't know how you could put Wander Franco, great AFI League season, ahead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., guy who should be in the majors already, who hit three eighty-three <laughs> last year, on the follow-up to a great season year before, on the follow-up to a great season the year before, on the follow-up to being the number one prospect in baseball, who, by the way, made the Baseball America Top 100 before he ever played a professional game, something that Wander Franco can also say. Yeah. Um, it's funny, we got criticism today. It's like, why do we not put more international guys on <laughs> immediately? And it's like, they're pretty aggressive on that. These are 16-year-olds. We yeah. are pretty aggressive on that. But um, that's so what I'm saying. Is, so that really leaves you. It's Vlad, it's Eloy, and it's uh, uh, Fran Tatis. Tatis, who's number two. And even if you give Tatis, because Eloy, you're not, you cannot give Eloy Jimenez a significant defensive bump over Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in any way. Mm -hmm. Even if you have concerns about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s defense at third base, he plays third base and Eloy is a left fielder who is not a great left fielder. So if you're gonna argue Eloy, you have to argue that Eloy is a better hitter with more, or massively more power than Vlad Jr. And Mm -hmm. I don't think you can make that argument. Okay, so then you go to shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. Shortstop, better than third base as far as defensive value. And, and Tatis is better defensively at shortstop than, I would say, than Guerrero is at third. Mm-hmm. He's going to play there longer. That said, as good a hitter as Fernando Tatis is, I mean, it's not close. It's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a truly special hitter. Josh, like, what is the... Because I know you've asked this question to guys, and I've asked questions question to guys too, but... Say, what is a worst-case scenario, barring significant injury or something, but, like, Vlad Guerrero Jr. just fails to live up to our expectations as a hitter, then what is he as a hitter?
1: He's merely very good. Right. I mean, he's, it, the way we have him, I mean, I think we had him, what, did we have 80 hit, 80 power on him? It's 80 hit, 70 power. 70 power. 80 hit, 70 power. I mean, so, you, you, if you listen to this podcast, you know how... Special, that is. Yes. And then... I
0: remember the first time I saw that Ben Badler, who does the Blue Jay system, put an 80-hit tool on Vlad. I was like, did he mean to do this? This was a few years ago, I think. Did he mean to do this? But, I mean, if there's a guy who has an
1: 80-hit tool... I mean, it's Vlad. I just... I By coincidence and determination, I saw him, I think, every day in the Fall League that I was there last year. <laughs> um, it
2: was not coincidence. It was partially coincidence. <laughs> Some
1: days I was chasing matchup and Vlad, he happened to play for that team. Yeah, But... It struck me the ease with which he turned on, you know, above average to plus or better pitches. Mm-hmm. I remember the first game I saw there, um, he was facing a sidewinder throwing 97. Okay, this will be this will be something. First pitch, 97 in on his hands. He turns on it like it's 50 miles an hour, yeah. and he knew what was coming. Just served it into left field for a double. Like, that wasn't even a challenge for mm-hmm. him. He, yeah, he hasn't been getting challenged that. a lot. Uh it it'd been, it had been as if case. you or i were pitching to him <laughs> and he was just eh, whatever
0: yeah and we touched on this a little bit earlier but JJ, i want to go back to this since you've been around ba for a little bit longer than myself and josh who's the last guy <laughs> who is the last guy who either was a consensus every single person who's voting puts him number 1 and if not that who's the guy who's been no, the closest we mentioned chris, chris bryan, bryan.
2: I, I don't think chris bryan i think that's the last one i can remember I don't remember us having any argument mm-hmm. that didn't have... Chris Bryant, coming out of college, was one of the top three, top two, top three guys in that draft class. Mm-hmm. He was our college player of the year. He hit a bazillion homers in a year where he outhit hit many... That, the bats at that point, home runs were impossible. Yeah. And so he hit more home runs than many teams did in college that year. Then he goes to pro ball and... After a very nice debut, and made a little cup of coffee his first season. He basically blitzes the minors the next year. He's our easy pick as minor league player of the year. Mm-hmm. That, there's really, there wasn't much left that you, there wasn't, many, the questions that Bryant faced at the time were, how good is a third baseman is he going to be? And, you know, he strikes out a lot. You know, is that going to be, mm-hmm. uh, is that going to hold him down a little bit? Yeah. And really, the answer was no, but but that would be the last one where it was like, you know, and again, there have been there have been consensus guys before. It's rare, though. It is mm-hmm. rare when you have a consensus guy.
1: Consider that we're coming off a year in which we had, we ended our first process with Otani, Acuna, and
2: Vlad Jr. Vlad
1: Jr. in a three-way tie at the top, that mm-hmm. we had to get, you know, one more person who hadn't yet submitted his vote yeah. in to break that tie before we got it. And to... by the
2: way, that was one of those, you want to talk about one of those years where it's like, yes, yes, and yes? Yeah. So we had the AL Rookie of the Year and our Baseball America Rookie of the Year, the NL Rookie of the Year, and the guy who was our consensus number one prospect this year who, let's just make clear, everyone knows could have played last year in the majors. Mm-hmm. And probably, given Otani, a pretty good run for uh, AL Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I mean,
1: these those three... uh Plus, these three that are coming up for your, your Eloy, Vladi, and, uh, and Tatis. All, those three are all going to be in the major leagues this year, barring injury. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be in the majors for a long time. Uh, this year, I mean. Yeah. Compare that to the wave we had last year with Acuna, Soto, and Otani. And it's just stupid, the level of talent that is coming into the majors at such young age, in such a short span of time. It's hard to fathom. Yeah. I, I can't... Come up with enough superlatives <laughs> to tell you what we're witnessing right now.
0: No, it is exciting. And and you mentioned Eloy and Tatis, and I wanna get down the list throughout this conversation, but I think it's worth talking about here, especially since you that guys was are a here. Good debate. Yeah, and because you guys both voted for different people for two and three, Eloy and Tatis Flift. JJ, I believe you had Eloy number two. Josh, you had Fernando Tatis number two. Um this is obviously closer than the debate for number one, but really quickly, can you guys just give me your pitch for your guy at number two? JJ, I guess you can take this one. To start. We are the
2: anti-ESPN, or <laughs> this is this is the anti-Skip. You know, uh, you know, especially the old days of Skip and Stephen A. Because mm-hmm. I thought it was very close, and the more I think about it, I'm actually happy with the way we turned it out. Yeah. Because the reality is, is that.
0: If you haven't seen the list, we'll go ahead and spoil it. Tatis is number two. Eloy is number three. And but
2: wait, that's that's a flip. Yeah, I believe that last year we had Eloy ahead, mm. and which may seem strange because Eloy Jimenez did about everything that you could do offensively. He was hurt a little bit, but other yeah. than that,
1: I mean, my reasons for putting Tatis over Eloy were pretty simple. Or he plays shortstop, yep. and he plays it well enough to stay there. Uh, and also, you know, he ended the year with the broken, I want to say, hand or something. Um, He's going off in the Dominican League right now, the the Winter League. So it tells me that he's he's healed up, and this is not going to affect him long-term, but it doesn't appear that way. Mm -hmm. So I'll take the middle infielder over the corner outfielder, and possibly a guy who has to move out of corner outfield.
2: Right. I think that you could fairly say that Eloy has more offensive potential. Yeah. But that said, if Tatis can be a grade worse hitter, and a grade worse in power than Eloy, he could do that and still be a more valuable player because mm-hmm. you're getting that from solid shortstop defense. And again, eventually he's a big guy. If eventually he's he's gotten faster since he you know became a pro. Mm-hmm. If at age 28 he moves to third base, he's still gonna be really good there. You know, like whereas Eloy, who keeps getting bigger, and I don't mean in a. This is not a. Uh, a Billy Butler going back a few years kind of getting bigger but mm-hmm. you know but he is getting larger and larger he's just a massive man
1: remember these players we're talking about are still so young they're not done growing mm-hmm. these so, are these are not men yet
2: but so with that being the case and he's already uh, you know he's a fringe average defender in left field at best so he's a left fielder is not going to provide much defensive value and then eventually a dh or first baseman maybe well yeah you you take the short stuff.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And if you look through our top ten, there are not a ton of pitchers there. Uh, pitchers in general are a little bit riskier. You've talked about this at length. I'm sure both of you have either on Twitter, the podcast, and different stories on Baseball America. But I know I couldn't skip Forrest Whitley without Josh maybe throwing a fit or even leaving the room. He's our top-ranked pitcher. I think Josh is the highest of anyone in the office, at least as far as I'm aware of. Um, but with Whitley, uh, and the other pitcher in our top ten is Jesus Lazardo with the Athletics. With Whitley, was he the obvious top arm in this top 100 list for us, Josh?
1: I think it was an easier call for me, mm-hmm. but if they had similar careers, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Lizardo gets lost, I think, because he... he Well, first of all, he didn't have the God mode he, that uh, Whitley did in the Fall League. Mm-hmm. But all year, I mean, he's, what, 20 years old? He went all the way to AAA. He... he Probably could make a uh, a run at some some, uh, some innings in the big leagues this year, mm-hmm. depending on how uh, risky the A's want to get with him. But his season—if you took Vlad out of the equation—if you, <laughs> it would have been a nice argument between uh, Lizardo would have had a case for minor league player of the year. Wander Franco would have had a case for minor league player of the year. The argument wouldn't have taken two seconds. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying probably 85 to 90 percent of the players on this list. Mm-hmm. I've said this before, yeah. Jose Fernandez in 2011, Forrest Whitley, October 2008. The p- pitchers, right? Pitchers, pitchers.
2: Okay, pitchers. Because I was going to say, you and Ronald Acuna.
0: Obviously, the stuff speaks for itself. Is it, is it just
1: as simple as the stuff is that good and that well-rounded? Uh, Change-up is a 70. You
2: could talk about
1: a slider being a 6 or a 7. I mean. Jay-Z said it best, the boys got more sixes than first grade. <laughs> we didn't talk yeah, about like Wander Franco. Like thumbs up on
2: the
0: Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah. we, we can't talk about every single Wander Franco, Let's talk you about like it or Wander Franco. <laughs> Number four, he was outside of this top three tier that we were just discussing. Yeah, I mean, this is young Franco. Wander Franco. <laughs> <laughs> if,
1: if we, I, just as to, just to cautious his hit tool is, I called JJ into my office yesterday to take a look at some video of Wander mm-hmm. Franco. That is how rare that happens. Mm-hmm. I saw him five games. Five, five games total. Much better numbers in that league than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who tore that league to shreds in rookie ball in his first
0: season as a 17-year-old to be this high on this list.
2: Um, yeah, Preston is probably too strong with guys in the past, but mm-hmm. like, we were very aggressive with Vlad Jr. when he, had, I think he went up to 20. Um, I think it was like he went from the 90s to 20. And then last year he was in the top, you know, mm-hmm. in the top three, top three number one game discussion. But what Franco did is so unusual that I really struggle to come up with a guy who, you know, who kind of did that. Like, he was really too young for that league by, mm-hmm. by most, you know, by most standards. He's if, more than
0: three years younger than the average hitter in the league.
2: More than three years younger than the average hitter or pitcher that you, you know that you, pitchers he was facing in the league. Mm-hmm. If he'd have spent the whole year, which would have been absurd, but if he'd have spent the whole year in the GCL, that would have been a semi-aggressive assignment because most July two signees, the best ones like him, often do this, but most go to the DSL the first year and they're in the Appy League. But it really, to be by far the best player in the mm-hmm. league. Bowling Green or Port Charlotte, because I don't know if Bowling Green is... Not
1: necessarily a Bowling Green, but the Midwest League is the weather.
2: Burr, it's going to be cold. It's going to be freezing. But other than that, you know, I, I know I talked to a scout last year. IA mm-hmm. at that moment.
1: You uh-huh. Know. I mean, let's put it this way. He's going to be 18 right now to yeah. announce that pick. Because yep. I, there's, yeah. good, there's some good players in this class, but Wander darn near close. He's... Yep you just every day you see something with him that you D C and we are I, I I gasped. I said to for the cycle or five for five for five and it's hit for the
0: cycle with two home runs. Yeah, he put up some gaudy numbers, three uh, that's pretty outstanding. But kind of moving down the list, I'd say one of the guys who surprised me to Robles, and he's a guy that I got to dig into a little bit more as I did the Nationals' top 30 for our prospect. Hambles is a guy who we had talked about kind of in comparison with Joe Adele previously within the office. Around the league, he's a guy who misses the top 10 just barely at number 11, uh, but they're worse than this year. Um, So it's not to knock him in number 11 on this list is very impressive, but brought up that maybe had to do with dropping him a little bit.
2: We'll have a piece of this hopefully up tomorrow. The thing that jumps out, and we, you know, one of the, the, one of the pieces of this, many pieces of information as we can to yeah. put together all these lists. And when I say that, we're going ourselves as we can. We're going to get every piece of analytics information. Like I always like to say that we and the prospect community at large does not get our, much higher than it was 10, 15 years ago because there's a lot more information. But one of the things we were able to get because he got to the big leagues is, is the starting point was it was a little, Eighty-two point three, eighty-three. It two years now. for the research and all, it stand it it stabilizes pretty quickly. Three, mm-hmm. um, and say, hey, how much of a concern should we be concerned about this? So, yeah, you know, his, his minor league exit velos aren't mm-hmm. aren't that much different than that. So, okay, that doesn't go early, <laughs> but like a guy like Ender Inciarte has exit velos a little bit. better. He's very young. He's had injuries. We would expect that he's going to consist several miles an hour. That puts you in the ender and ciarte range, which is base running, the ability to get on base because he crowds the plate, which also makes him a little injury prone because he gets hit. Talking about these other guys, these other guys that he is mixed with, he is bells of the world. Everyone else that we're talking about really impacts the baseball.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, it was a fascinating conversation, and you probably could be tricked if you just looked at his. Uh, a new story begins to unfold a little bit, but let's kind of keep moving down the list and move into some of these second tier absolute studs. You get further into the list, uh, there are some guys who come up that have some maybe 30 range on our list. There are a few pitchers that you can maybe critique a little bit more. And obviously, we've talked about it before, we'll continue to talk about it. guys like Alex Reyes, Mitch Keller, Michael Kopeck. Remember, there's just a fascinating conversation when we were all tier arms up. And what are you kind of looking for to, to have these guys separate themselves?
1: Well, once he gets one out in the big leagues this year, he's no longer a prospect. Mm-hmm. But it was an oblique this year, I think. Um, he's had the TJ, <clears throat> and that's all it is for him. The stuff is very, very good, mm-hmm. but he just hasn't stayed healthy for an extended period of time. Michael Kopech last year, he made a breakthrough um, with his changeup mm-hmm. at AAA and got to the big leagues, and the only thing that could stop him was rain mm-hmm. and then his elbow blowing up. Um, but you know, you have to wait another year to see him. Um, and then Keller is a little different. Um, more on the further development of that third pitch changeup. Mm-hmm. The fastball and that upper echelon. Mm-hmm. And by ranking him where we did, I think we collectively as a group. How
0: much injuries like this, Michael Kopech, how much does that actually drop you when you've got guys that have the stuff that he does with the track?
2: I think you have to fall at least a little bit till we see her on the mound again and healthy and throwing the same because examples of guys I mean the last time I studied it last time I've read other people studying it you're looking at 15 percent maybe 20 percent but let's say 10 to 15 percent of guys mm-hmm. who have TJ do not report now some of that is is you have guys who unfortunately blow out again I mean Jared Parker Parker was a premium premium prospect and then when you say could not stay healthy, I mean, it was, I believe, multiple TJs, if I remember correctly.
1: Johnny Venters, for very long uh, increments.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, well All right, let's keep moving down then. We haven't talked about any catchers to this point. Kiebert Ruiz is the top catcher on this list. Check out the list to find out exactly Francisco Mejia were guys that were in that conversation. Danny Jensen a little bit further behind that. Fascinating discussion for me because I actually got to see Joy Barton in person kind of uh, before the draft with Georgia Tech when he came up and played in the ACC here on the Triangle. Um, and I feel like theirs for each are very fascinating, especially when you kind of see how catchers have been getting and the, the offensive numbers that catchers have posted at the major league level recently, as levels being at this point. So, kind of, what is the argument for Joey Bart and for Francisco Mejia at the. George Attack, I saw mm-hmm.
1: all I need, uh, a good chunk of what I needed based on the video you shot of him this year. Yeah. And what struck out to me was just how much of a warrior he is behind the plate. Mm-hmm. That guy has absolutely no fear. He took a ball off his shin at some point during the game, obviously in pain. But for the rest of that game, he was nose in the dirt, blocking receivably. He was inexplicably in the mm-hmm. Salem-Kaiser the rest of the season to hit 13 home runs. But, you know, the rigors of a of a full minor league season and eventually major league season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no,
0: the kind of conviction you have in Bart's defensive ability and his odds to stick at catcher, whereas Mejia full-time moving forward. So how much does that hurt a guy like... He has value if he's if he has to move from up. end up. Mm-hmm.
2: Um I, I, I wanted to put you on the spot for a second. Yeah, let's do being it. one of the best catching prospects in pro baseball. Mm-hmm. Top catching prospect in college. Easy pick, I think, is the number one prospect in the draft. Yeah, no doubt. I I think that's a Bobby Witt fan. I so know you I know wouldn't are. put
0: a huge golf, but yes, I see your point.
2: I, I, I'm again illness that was not gonna have any long term ramifications, but he missed number one. I okay. think he is his resume already is it's very like, impressive. I've already put on the resume. Barton Bart and Rutschman. Is Rushman heads and shoulders above, you know? If
0: they were in the same class, most people would favor Rutschman. I think he's just that special of a prospect. I think question the hit tool, is it going to be an average hit tool? Is it going to be more of a fringe average hit tool where he gets to some value with that power? Maybe a tick less power. Uh, but the, the conviction that you can have in Adley Rutschman's hit tool based on much more confident that Adley's going to hit then Joey Bart is going to hit, and because I think they're... But
1: Rutschman also,
0: with Oregon State and CNT, he has the... Handled, he's handled plenty of arms. Uh, Bart's kind of still working up through that, and he'll continue to handle better, right? That's kind of what separates him from Bart, at least in this discussion amongst us two. He's a,
1: he's a hitter no matter what. If you
0: had the choice at the top of that draft, do you take Rutschman, or do you... Yeah. I mean, I, if you if you just look at where the number one, the guys who were drafted number one, Casey Myers, he's not in that car, and I want the shortstop.
2: Wander, Franco. All
1: right.
2: I mean, like, if we were doing the... Hypotheticals, let's crazier. go. I'll make it crazier. Okay? All of a sudden, we're going to we're gonna make the 2017, 2018 list eligible again. Okay? So, obviously, Juan Soto, who is, I think, nine on that list, moves up uh, higher if we're re-ranking it. But if you... Knowing what we know now, but so last year we were debating Acuna, Vlad, and Otani. Vlad, obviously, all those guys helped themselves this past year. Soto, Eloy, Tatis, Wander, Josh. You get one of those guys. You get one of those guys that basically you're betting on their career.
1: Give me the prodigy, Acuna. Uh,
2: I figured that was. I'm your looking answer.
1: right at him in this podcast booth. <laughs> and, He's and, the and, best position player prospect, prospect I've thing ever seen. Is, is
2: the 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 cover he has. On but what about you, Carlos? Of that
1: group, I
0: mean, I, I was thinking of it beforehand. I think I would have to lean a Cunha, too, just because even if he doesn't have the bat that Vlad does, I like the supplemental tools that he has, his ability to play center field or a good corner if he's going to continue staying there. I like his all-around tool set better, uh, his defensive profile. Wander is tempting, honestly, just because if he can stick in the infield and he has the bat that, that we all think he does, like, that's a... <laughs>
2: Juan Soto, who had... As good a season as we pretty much will ever see in our lifetimes for a teenager, in the big leagues.
1: I mean, we've already seen it in, in our lifetime. Carlos and I, we've seen another pretty special 19-year-old who also played for the Nationals. So
2: Soto was better.
1: I mean, it was better. I'm just saying. Soto was better. <laughs> we've seen some special ones. I'm saying, but yeah. Soto
2: was better. But okay, so I mean, do you know? Again, like my, my soft spot is for. I watched Andrew Jones, the 17-year-old. The next year, I'm watching him hit over the So is this a Juan thing.
0: Soto versus a Wander Franco?
2: No, Juan Soto versus Vlad Jr. Because in this case, mm-hmm. I get it with Acuna. You can make the argument with the defensive value. But Juan Soto versus yeah. Vlad Jr., you're basically saying two, <laughs> the two best young, pure hit- And again, like when we had this debate last year, we were debating... Vlad, who was coming off of, was he wasn't not, he was like mid, you know, like, that was, I think, where he peaked at before he graduated. Yeah, he
0: was behind Robles at the
2: time. Of the GCL at the time. It's, but now knowing what we know.
0: I feel like it's tempting to take. I don't want to knock Vladdy for not
1: doing that because we all know. But you're not knocking Vladdy. And you know what? I'll take Soto because it's really, really, really hard to block out. You can, I feel, there's a lot of cool things that I've gotten to do at B.A., I think any rehabs. Congrats, Josh. That's I awesome. I mean, that was <laughs> unbelievable to hear. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that was and they got there was a rainout. No,
1: it was it was it was two, a series of rainouts. I was supposed to go a couple of days earlier. Later, I got there. It was a doubleheader. It was game. It was you know he played the first game He went So it's like all right, he's getting a day, whatever. And then at at some point after the game, he got he got promoted to the Nats. And then you're talking to the Nats people the next day, and they're like, I don't think he's coming back.
2: That that's the thing I remember talking to you that next day, and you're like. The impression I get is this is not just a he's filling in. This is a say goodbye, you're not seeing him again, which uh, all the credit in the world to the Nats front office for looking at a dude who had basically at that point less than two months of full season ball under his belt in his career. And they said from high A to the big leagues, yep, it's ready to go.
1: Because if you think this guy is that talented, but you pull the the trigger that early and you expose it and he fails in the big leagues. The risk is massive mm-hmm. to what you can do to a guy's self-confidence and career development if you screw with him well, at that age.
2: I think and what it's gonna do instead is we talk about the game keeps getting younger. It's gonna empower and embolden teams to do this down the road again. Like, because what we saw, again, he's special, but what we saw there is Juan Soto immediately with, again, I can't emphasize this enough. Ever soon now. No, the great guys always have been rushed. Why? Because they're just too good for the leagues they're in. Juan Soto was pushed with almost no minor league experience. And it's like, nope, there's just not a league. There's yet to be a league created that is too advanced for him. I come back to, uh, you know, we we had the if, if they'd have left Vlad Jr. in Double A all year, we would have seen like, can he hit 400? But if they'd have started Vlad last year in the big leagues, I have very little I have very little worry that he would not be able to figure out his way to hitting, you know, for average. Length. Here's a
0: question I'll throw at you guys, uh, just out of nowhere to see, over under on total minor league games played by Juan Soto 150. It was under. Josh is confident. Comes in confident.
2: 131.
0: 122. So you guys are both I, there was on a, the money.
1: There was a stat That's impressive. I had That's last court. Court. Counting home <laughs> games. He didn't have enough time to get his mail forwarded.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that was a guy who was interesting to talk about uh, that I want to jump down, kind of in the middle of this list, is Vidal Brujan. Uh, there were a few guys who were very high on him. I think Ben Badler is the highest on Bruhan. I wish he was here. Little infielders who are kind of fascinating to talk about. I think Bruhan is one of them. Uh, the question I had, but I want to speak for him, um, but talk to me about Vidal Brujan, JJ.
2: Absolutely. Mm. I think.
0: Since we're talking about him, he comes in at number 64.
2: Right. Um, with Me Me with him is especially, okay, the Rays have a 1,000 second basemen mm-hmm. right now. At the big league level, you have, okay, you have Christian Arroyo come play second base and then some of them, Brandon Lau came up at the end of the year. And then you have Ken Wong at AAA. But the thing that stands out about Brujan is most of those but their main attribute is they can hit in mm-hmm. second base which which is true kind of who has enough arm to you know make the throw from when you shift him in the right field mm-hmm. and but it's it's an it's an offensive position i think bruhan is really like don't you know he's a second baseman but i think he's athletically he's better than that like yeah. again he could be a really good second baseman but i also think that he could be a really good center fielder I think that there's a chance that he could actually play shortstop mm-hmm. still. Like, I mean, I think that there, there's enough there that he, if they wanted to try that, it wouldn't be crazy to say that he could do that. And then you throw on top of that, you're talking about not just speed, but speed that plays on the base pass. You're talking about a really advanced bat. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to like there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Especially, potential pop up guy, you heard it here first. I mean,
1: I'll I guess t- you
0: can't be a pop up guy if you're already. will
1: argue that Wander Franco at 90, whatever he was last year, to number four is a plus. The skill set we're talking about—he can—he can field. He can has he has double plus or better speed, a little bit of power. Career had nine home runs this year between two leagues. If, if he, sh- and you know, and, and shows it consistently, mm-hmm. we're talking about someone who could be special in among among a, a lot of very good prospects.
2: Not the top to the majors than Wander Franco, and I don't think he's pulling Wander Franco out of that number one spot with a crowbar.
1: Well, so. Wander could just jump into the major leagues. Yeah, he could go, he could go all the way. He can pull a Soto and do that. But the point is, you could be talking about a very an elite prospect mm-hmm. very quickly. Rich. And I, want to give a scout. I'm not going to name his name. Credit called me two years ago out of the blue and said, "Keep an eye on this Vidal Bruhan character," because he he caught my eye. Yeah, and this scout. When someone catches his eye, you listen because mm-hmm. he's good. There you go. <laughs> he's got an eye like it's, Superman wants his eyes. Well, shout
0: out to the unnamed scout. Congrats right. on hitting that one.
2: But but the the, the thing I wanted to kind of th- it might be a good way because we've been going for a while to kind of kind of put a bow on this is yeah. that, that stands out with the Rays. It, with this is is that the Rays and the Padres. I mean, we've been doing this for thirty mm-hmm. years, and the Rays and the Padres tied the record this year. They each had nine. The Braves had eight, which is kind of crazy. So basically, more than 25% of the top 100 is limited to three teams, which mm-hmm. I will point out also, the, the Rays and Padres having nine each is really impressive. The Braves have eight, and the Braves also had eight last year, and the Braves also had eight the year before that. Now, some of these, I mean, Mike Soroka... Has you know kind of set up camp on you know on this list Um, you know there's some guys who have gotten comfortable being in the top 100 but that's also Ozzie Albies was on and has graduated Sean Newcomb was on has graduated Ronald Acuna was on has graduated uh Dancy Swanson was on has graduated so it's not just the same guys they haven't gone eight three years in a row because the same guys have been on there three years in a Mm -hmm. row so that's really impressive like but you look at this raise list and they not only have nine guys on this list, but they all is on the top 100. Mm-hmm. Some of those, you know, Nick Schnell could, McClanahan, you know, could look good as a starter this year. And all of a sudden we're talking about this list who you could consider as well. Padres kind of the same story. The Padres after, like, they're deep systems. Mm-hmm. The Braves a little bit more like, okay, you have those eight. William Contreras, you know, is a guy who, to me, you can make a case. And then we can see Cal Muller. And we can see there are some guys, but especially those Rays and Padres systems are just really, really good right now.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I wanted to tie in one other thing to the Vidal-Brujan conversation we had. Just because you wrote about it, JJ, I want to give you a chance to plug that if you want to. But Nick Madrigal is a guy who I feel like checks a lot of the same boxes that Brujan does. Uh, If you want to know more about Nick Madrigal and some of the concerns you might have for him moving forward, feel free to check out BaseballAmerica.com and read the entire piece that J.J. outlined. It's pretty fascinating. But did you want to touch on that anymore or make any comparisons there with Magicologist, the concerns we might have with him? Although I should also mention he was safely on this Top 100 list.
2: Safely on the Top 100. And, again, we have as much information as we can gather. Well, i will just insane. And so <laughs> It's always like, you know, there's that hour I didn't do this where I could have, you know, spent a little more. What we will know if we're talking a year from now, that we don't know right. Wrist, you know, during the uh, college season last year, came back, you know, finished the season, sucks. But how much did that affect him? Because that can affect a guy. Yeah. Um, Opposite field is your friend. If you're going to hit for high average, you have to be able to use the whole field. Mm -hmm. You know, the opposite field, center field, gives you the ability to hit for average. Mm -hmm. And Nick Madrigal is at the same time, the pull field is also in baseball. No matter who you are, you have to be able to show that if you are challenged with a... Which you're going to get challenged because everyone throws 95. You're going to show that I can do something with that. And I'm going to make you pay for doing that. Because I want you to give me a fastball. Yeah. And last year, in in Pro Bowl, according to the spray charts compiled by minor league baseball springers, Nick All had one hit to left field.
1: Yep. Now, That's a little bit concerning. Now, also, it's great to be able to hit to the opposite field. But... At some point, if you can't pull it, defenses are going to start to shift you. And if they're going to play you there, your, your batting averages, your hit tool, they start going to start to suffer. Now, mm-hmm. unless Major League Baseball does something phenomenally stupid and outlaws the shift in any sh- way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be a problem. All field approaches don't, or uh, one field approaches, don't kill only pull hitters.
0: Exactly. Yeah, good point. Uh, And Josh, I'll let you jump in on this. If you have any other players that we haven't talked about, that maybe you want to mention a guy towards the back of the list that we haven't touched on, uh, that you think maybe deserves some uh, some talking points here, or we can just wrap it up with that. We've talked about thirty minutes. Uh, It was fun, guys. Uh, But I want to give you both a chance to maybe mention another player, either a player near the back of the list or a guy who just missed who maybe has a a chance if he uh, does some things right this year with graduations.
1: I think we were lower on a guy like Luis Robert Mm -hmm. than maybe the rest of. Uh, lists will say. I think this year was a weird year for him, mm-hmm. in that he was injured all the time. But and then even when I tried to see him in the fall league, but mm-hmm. the reports you get from the fall league were that this guy, you know, is is a tool shed. Yeah. And if it all comes together, this could be you know the guy you spent twenty six million dollars on. Yeah. Who is Robert. This all year. right, Robert for Josh. I want
2: to see the big thing. I want to see from him. I kind of the big him is, I want him to be better defensively, like because mm-hmm. that's. The, the bat, I think we can explain away somewhat with the injuries. But at the same time, the surprise that we found, I, I think, pretty strongly last year was he was not that good defensively in center. And that's going to be part of his game. I mean, that's going to be... You know, the reports we got from multiple scouts were, you know, he's, he's a little rough out there right now. Yeah, he's I mean, not as good as Blake Rutherford in center field right now. Or especially as Luis Gonzalez. Uh, uh, not, uh,
1: yeah, Luis Gonzalez. No,
2: Luis Gonzalez. You know, I got him and their shortstop who came up uh com- uh at the end of the season with the same but both of those guys were considered better defenders in center field. And Blake Rutherford's not a center fielder. So that's I mean Luis Roberts tools versus Blake you know, Blake Rutherford we mentioned him a little bit, but Alex Kirilov. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a season. I think the year. You keep talking about if Vladis not here, and I don't even want to consider a world where Vladis
1: not, here. Well, I know he's that my not
0: be here doesn't bring the sense of uh Eligible for these lists, but.
1: But Kirloff missed an unbelievable season from Cedar Rapids to uh, Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. And if he keeps doing that in, in, in a double A, I guess that's Pensacola now, and then Rochester, you're talking about another really special player.
2: I'm going to miss the Twins having the train in Chattanooga.
1: Well, the train still exists. I know. Just, but we're not it's just the Reds.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, I think we kind of wrapped it up here. We appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't checked out the Top 100, definitely head to BaseballAmerica.com to check that out in its entirety. You can also check out a number of other stories that we've kind of rolled out with that, diving into some of these things, Nick Madrigal's story. There's more coming as well. In addition to the minor league prospects, we've got college preview content coming out, headed up by Teddy Cahill, our uh, college writer, and his team. Uh, in addition to that, we had the Hall of Fame announcement that we didn't touch on, and I feel like for the sake of time, we probably won't touch on now. But if you want to find out more about the Hall of Fame class, unanimous Hall of Famer, and
2: I, I got to interject with that. I, go I ahead, think JJ. We had You're so the much boss. Fun with last night was uh, <laughs> which we'll have two Hall of Famers as of next year because Jeter was Jorge Fasada. That's pretty decent. That, that's, I, I see a a crazy idea of Burt for down the road, which is is what are the best top tens of baseball America history, which is a frightening research project, because if you think about it... Well, now
0: you put it out there, so you have to follow through, or else you're going to get a lot of angry tweets.
2: 1983 is the first ones, and we're in 2019. So that is 37 years of top tens. Even we just kept the top tens. Mm -hmm. So that's 37 times, let's just say 28, because we're not...
0: That's a lot of top (laughs) 10s. There you go. So we have plenty of stuff that's been on the site recently, and JJ's got his 37-year top 10 research project coming up at some point in the uh, untold future. For Josh, for JJ, I'm Carlos Plaza. Thanks for listening, everybody.